Hi, everyone, and welcome to yet another very special episode where we have Michelle Kavanaugh with us. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> Anytime. And yeah, I've been actually really, really looking forward to speaking with you. Uh, I've been checking out your Instagram content, and many people in our community have said, like, oh, Daniel, you got to reach out to Dare and, and speak to them. So again, really glad you're here. And for uh, the, you know, the few people in our community who don't know you, uh, just uh, give us kind of like a short bio. Like, who, who's Michelle Kepnell? Yeah, so I work for Dare. Oh, I see the book behind you. <laughs> just thought. How perfectly placed. Um, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, but when I'm working at Dare in my capacity, I function kind of as a non therapist, almost almost as um, like to coach people through the, the concept of Dare. It's a very counterintuitive approach to anxiety. Um, very upside down, very opposite to what many people have experienced, um, trying to go at their anxiety disorders in all different sort of ways. Um, and I have been with DARE for the last 14 years. Um, we run groups, we run, I offer a one-to-one -one coaching calls to help clarification. We have boot camps. Um, it all started with a book um, from Barry McDonough, um, somebody who kind of went through it himself and kind of realized how to get out of it on his own and then said, holy moly, how come nobody knows this, wrote this book. Um, and then turns out, right, then afterwards, I asked him about this too the other week. I said, did you read any of these, you know, like Claire Weeks? And he goes, I didn't even know about her till after. And that's how I read her too, until after working for Dare for a while. And then we went back and read Claire Weeks and read some other books and seeing like, wow, this approach is out there. It just seems to be the last step on the train for some reason. Um, but yeah, so for the last 14 years, I have been you know, running his, his coaching programs, um, helping write some content on the apps. Um, he has a pretty popular app. Um, you can kind of take it around with you. And um, yeah, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And and so, you, so you're not working full-time at there. You're doing other work as well, or? It's all there. <laughs> it's, it's all, all there. <laughs> Right, yeah, I imagine that. Looks, you must be busy. Looks solid. Right, I thought so. Now, tell tell me, how did you how did you meet Barry? It's kind of a funny story. So, when my first daughter was born, this was like before, or like when online therapy type stuff was just getting started. So, my oldest daughter is fourteen now. I was working. I was working in an inpatient psychiatric hospital, and then I had a baby, and I was just home with the baby, and. Um, so I went on one of these platforms and this is when it was first getting started. And I started doing some, you know, like online therapy sessions, right? In New York, you can live with people in New York. And um, somebody came in to talk to me about anxiety. Now, I just had the typical therapisty approach, like run the mill therapisty approach of what to do for anxiety and not be anxious. And so somebody came on to ask me to chat for uh, 20 minutes. Um, and we were talking about, I think it was driving or something like that. And they hung up and afterwards I got a message in my inbox saying, I hope you don't, I hope you don't find it, I don't know, deceptive or something like that. But my name is Barry McDonough. I run an anxiety, right, disorder program. And I was looking for a therapist. I wanted to see how you worked actually with people, right? Cause you know, you go on interviews or on a show. Um, so he was looking, like in my bio, it says, I don't use a lot of jargon. I um, speak in a down to earth sort of way, try and use humor. And um, that's what he was looking for. And so he offered me a job and I went to work for there. Oh, wow. The most bizarre interview ever. <laughs> <laughs> How 
interesting. So he was looking for somebody and he somehow found you offering like, you know, consultations, called you as a kind of fake client. And that's how it, that's what happened. Yeah. So back then it was all, it was like on chat. We didn't even have zoom calls. Cause this was like 14 years ago. Right. Technology's moved real fast. And so yeah. it was a lot of like instant message chat and what, you know, on the bio I wrote, like I type really fast. And so I'm able to get a lot more conversation. In. <laughs> all right. How fascinating. And, um, I want to ask like Barry, is he still like actively coaching or, or what's he up to nowadays? No, I think Darish has gotten so big. He's doing all the background aspects of it, the business parts of it. He doesn't do the coaching anymore. Really, it's, it's just too much. Um, so he ha we have Aida. She's um, another therapist from Germany. Um, so she's come on. Um, she's been doing some coaching too. Um, she's kind of stepping. She's changing a little bit with her coaching role and doing more writing scripts for the app, um, the daily dares and all the things we have. There's only six of us. That work at there six people total so yeah. it's it's you know it's some somehow it's spread but there's really it's myself barry and aida and you know three other people as that are the whole foundation of the, of the program so wow. kind of wild very very nice and i um I, yeah, I've read the, you know, I read the book, but then as I was preparing for this talk, I was like, oh, I should put it here in the background. And I, I just flipped <laughs> it open. And then it said like, you actually, it said like, Michelle Cavanaugh actually came up with the D.A.R.E. acronym. Yeah. You did? did? Tell us well, about it. Page 11 and 54. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he originally he wrote this book called Panic Away. That was like the first version of what D.A.R.E. is. It's nothing different. It's the same sort of thing, just updated a bit. But back then it was called, it's called the one move and it was like the 21 second countdown. And so when he was making the new edition, so he had all these see, as I know, you know, with sleep, it's a hard concept to teach attitude and to teach mindset because it's not tangible. And so we put it into words. And so there were kind of fake steps, like what's the one move? Well, the one move is, right? You kind of diffuse the fact that it's not danger. You allow it to be there and you go back to engaging in what you're doing. And then there was this version of bring it on. Um, and so when he was coming up with the um, with the new version of D.A.R.E., us therapists love acronyms, right? Like, we could just find an R word for bring it on. We could spell D.A.R.E thinking this was going to be great, right? If people get stuck, uh, lost in like, well, what is the one, what does it mean to just accept and allow, right? It's such a out there sort of concept. And so I said, if people kind of get confused, you can follow the steps to go through it. And if you forget, at least the word dare is the message, like, go ahead. I dare you to be anxious. I, it's fine with a daring attitude. Um, so yeah, that was the idea. What happens sometimes is people get very lost in the steps, trying to do the letters just right and um, kind of going at it with their head rather than here, you know, and if I do this and I say these words, I somehow create acceptance. Um, so that's where we're always trying to clarify that part of the acronym piece. But yeah, that was my idea. <laughs> very, very nice. And, and by the way, what, what are the... Yeah, I, yeah, I could just Google this, but since I have you here, I'm going to ask you anyway. What are the D, A, and R, and E? What do they stand for? So it's diffuse, allow, run towards, and engage. And diffuse, so we're always sending this message of anxiety is sort of like energy that your body sends you when it senses danger, that fight or flight response, and it sends you this energy for danger. And so unless there are, if you have this whoosh of energy and there's snakes, 
you fight or flee from snakes or freeze or protect yourself, right? You engage in survival behaviors for the danger. But if this energy shows up kind of at the wrong time or for the wrong things, right? So you dare, right? You use the dare approach, which is, okay, now why? So here's this whoosh, now why? And diffuses, well, like to diffuse the fight of, not to diminish the feeling of. And so it's, you're looking at, you're looking at what am I fighting? And if it's a thought, if it's a feeling, if it's a sensation, if it's fear, right? It's, yeah, that's not danger. Yeah, that's discomfort. And it's to different, not to, I know discomfort is kind of a loaded word because it feels really freaking awful. It does, but there's discomfort and there's danger. And so when you diffuse, you're sort of, um, you know, see like what's is it danger or is it discomfort? I always have this little this little guy up and I have him on some of the videos. Like we're always fighting some sorry, my camera's flipped for some reason. <laughs> um here we go. I can read it. Yeah. Thoughts, sensations, so, feelings. Yeah. And so this is usually what somebody's fighting. For dare, we're really not going at this stuff. We're going at this stuff, the resistance. So it's really like anxiety is being created because you're fighting the wrong things and so there's no end to it because you you need to stop the fight first and so diffuse is to identify well what is it i'm fighting and if it's this well that's not danger that's allowed that's a for dare because that's allowed and i practice how do you allow something not with the like expectation of it being gone but truly just allow what is because whether you like it or not, it already is. But your fight, if your fight doesn't change what is, then it's tapping into this, this mindset of al allowing, accepting that sort of mindset of being with the thing that's there. R run towards, again, if it's because it's not identified danger, it's identified discomfort. I, I have always had these little things too. Here's this thing. This caught my eye. I'm startled. Oh, that's just whatever, dizzy, I'm just awake right now, I'm just not sleeping, that's wh whatever it is. Oh, yeah, well, that's not danger, so I could just not sleep, that's okay. And then the, the run towards is, all night long. I can I can have this feeling, I can have thoughts I don't like all day long because it's not danger, I will be in more discomfort, but I won't be any more or less actual right now danger. And then engage, E is engage, and so, for years, I used to say that, and then engage, and I realized well, everybody's engaging in something. What's happening is people were daring and not daring. They're saying, it's okay, I accept it, allow, it's okay that it's here, and then they stay, stay staring and stay looking, but I'm still not sleeping yet, but I'm still having thoughts, and it's, are you staying internally engaged or externally engaged? What what are you involved in? And so diffuse allowance towards and then go engage back into life rather than stay fixated on the thing that grabbed my attention in the first place. And so that sort of concept is applied to, again, not these things. Sorry, I'm doing the opposite. But this in response, in response to all of these things that come up. And it's a very opposite approach, which is funny because my camera's flipped around and I have to be mindful I'm naturally pointing to this, well, pointing to here, it's coming up opposite on my screen. And so that's why dare is hard because it's, it's opposite. It's counter.
counterintuitive. And that's why my my Instagram page is called the Anxiety Paradox because it's the opposite of what every bone in your body is screaming to do. Yeah. So Long-winded explanation is there. <laughs> no, that was perfect. No, this is exactly, you know, you're very, very valuable to, to understand that. And you contept, you know, conceptualize it so nicely. And by the way, just <clears throat> adding adding to what you said, we like what we teach in terms of like, you know, our channel is, is all about insomnia, right? Mm -hmm, it's so mm -hmm. similar. We, 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 we describe like, you know, insomnia is really what happens when we have become scared of being awake and how we exactly. can- Exactly, like, oh, we say the same thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's, I said, it's the, it's the fight of awakeness. It's, you're not even, it's not, you don't have a sleep problem. You have a fighting the fact that I'm awake problem. Exactly, yeah. that's so fascinating. Exactly, that's what we say here. So. What you, I think you used uh, um, in the, uh, there, the uh, run towards, we, we, we teach that as like befriend, to befriend wakefulness, you know, mm -hmm. very, very similar idea, right? Now, but, but again, like this is, and, and this is why I, I, you know, when I saw your Instagram page, I was like, I love this stuff. It's like, this is so like, this is exactly what we teach, but it is, you know, I, I think you, you probably get this too, that you, you, you often see somebody who's like a coach or educator or, or something like that. And you, and you start, um, looking at their content you're like oh this is nice but then there's not necessarily something there's not this intellectual continuity this is nice but oh that kind of didn't make sense yeah, that, doesn't, that doesn't gel with what we're saying and then then you because then somebody will throw in a whole bunch of coping techniques which we're not really into that and well did you try this and did you try this and so we have we get a lot of calls about sleep we've had a lot of webinars on sleep and so like let's say anxiety for example there's fluctuating levels of anxiety and there's how I treat fluctuating levels of anxiety. And so there's fluctuating levels of, of sleeping well and not sleeping well. And then there's how I treat my relationships at sleep. And so this can always be mended. And so the stuff you'll see out there in social media that gets the millions of followers. Did you try this? Did you try this herb? Did you try this pillow? Did you? And that might be helpful for somebody that doesn't have a disordered relationship with sleep. And I use my own example for sleep a lot. Um, I don't have any anxiety around sleep, but I'm not a great sleeper. And so somebody had, I, I had spoken to somebody a long time ago and they signed up for a very expensive program that they got taken advantage of because they still can't sleep. And I said, well, what'd you learn? They said, well, you learned about your circadian rhythm and diet and like the lighting and the temperature. I said, that sounds fabulous. I said, I might take this person's class and find benefit just for the sake that it would be nice to sleep better with a lighter approach. Said, I don't think that's what you did. I think it was a, with a muster else attitude. If it's, let's try this and see if this works, as if it's a threat, as if it's danger. And when anxiety gets hooked to sleep, anxiety, the fight or flight response is to prevent sleep. It's to keep you alert and awake. So you will never fight yourself to sleep. You fall asleep. And when your body sense, senses that it's safe to fall asleep, it allows sleep to happen, right? When it's not treated as danger and as a threat. And so, and that's why, like, again, I can't answer anything in two words, sorry. Um, but like what's sold out there is how to sleep. And I'm here to teach people how to not sleep, like how to get better at not sleeping, how to get better at feeling anxiety. And then Weirdly, you sleep, and then weirdly, you have less anxiety, but it's a byproduct. It's not a direct result. 
And I feel like they say the same thing. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. I mean, it's like I've had this experience like a few times before, you know, with people you probably know, actually. Um, Sean, Sean Kazam, you know? Him? Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I did an Instagram with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Him and uh, Lily, Lily Seiss. Do you know her too? No, I don't know her. I'll have okay. to. He's uh, from like the three, you know, three P, uh, you know, community. But I've had a few guests like where I was like, yeah, this is like, you're saying exactly the same things that we're saying, which is also also nice. But then it, it takes me to this like, you know, one question that comes to my mind then is like, your training, your was I'm guessing more in the kind of traditional traditional approach, if you will. Did there were you already sort of like drifting yourself towards more what the dare approach, or was that new to you, or or, it was or... New. totally new? And you know, you you're kind of not given a whole lot of actual. It's kind of weird how it works with the education and the schools that like I'm in, I'm a licensed mental social worker. So, you know, a lot about social work. I got my clinical training. I'm an LCSW. Um, but then like specific, like if you want to be trained in CBT or in somatic therapy, you then go and get trained in those things. Right. And so you kind of just do what you're taught to do and you do what your agency does and you kind of do that. You wouldn't think to go. And so I get it from the therapy side. You're just doing what you were taught to do. And you were told it works because the research research says this. And then I remember Barry when after our call, he uh, said, well, I'll send you the program. Look through it. See if you like it. And let me know. Let me get back. He's, he's a really good guy. Um, and I'm looking through it. I'm looking at with my therapist's eyes. I'm like, he's not a mental health. I like that. I'm going to have to educate him on this. And then after just being with Dare, it's like, oh my God, we have done such a disservice to people. Like, and I've had therapists join Dare as clients and look back and say, what are we doing? And why, why are we such a small group of people that all know each other? Why, why are we the ones that once you find, you spend a hundred thousand dollars and then you find one of us and then you only find the rest of us once you find one of us we're like the last stop on the train when everybody's tried everything else and like our job is to teach you how to not try it's the trying it's the doing it's the trying not to that's also trying um i don't know we just end up sometimes you feel like you're screaming into the storm of like here the problem is maybe there's not a problem. Maybe it's a it's a relationship problem with the totally natural, normal human experience. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, absolutely. And I, I don't know. I just uh, you know I was gonna maybe ask you this later, but I, it feels like to segue so nicely to where we are now in the conversation, which is like, how do you do you see, you know, you've been in this, you've been working for Dare for fourteen years, mm-hmm. and you know with with kind of like social media and the like you know with the ability to reach you know millions of people through instagram and things of that nature how do you feel about the future do you think that eventually like the the helpful like the approaches that really are helpful which i, I believe in, in for example there will eventually kind of like you know will grow or, or or will we like 10 years from now will there still oh, yeah. just like, do we, you... yeah i don't know because nobody follows me <laughs> And barely anybody's following there. And it's like, but if, I don't know, I'm not dressed well enough or I don't have great, like, you know, like graphics or whatnot. And so I don't have a million followers. And it's, it's, it's a little scary because it's, if you have a good persona, people are more likely to buy into what you're saying. 
and yeah. I would I would love to, like we we try and use social media like I post almost daily during the week just to get free information out there. Um, I'm in competition with the opposite approach of what I teach, which gets hundreds of thousands of views and likes. And so I would love for this to grow. And it's just, you know, it's about spreading the word. Um, Social media is great. It's like free advertising. But then I know on the opposite side as a client, you're bombarded. It's kind of like how to be healthy, how to eat. And you're like, well, research says definitely take these vitamins. And then the next TikTok videos, research says definitely do not take those vitamins. (laughs) And then you kind of don't know what to do. And it's information overload. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I pondered this a little bit. And I, I'm guessing it's just that like we are, you know, our brain is like the survival machine, right? When we're in, in some struggle, we're like, we're looking for something to do. And, and yeah, the, exactly. the people are telling us, do this, do this. So that's that's what we, we go for. Like that gets the all attention. So on one hand, that makes me kind of pessimistic. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, well, you know, because of we're, we're, we're wired that, that, that way, there's never going to be change. Like the, the people right. telling you what to do will always get more attention. But on the flip side, I'm like, truth is very durable and hard and like eventually maybe things will change i don't know right yeah you shouldn't have to sell truth so hard um right so hoping that sells itself you know and and like i talk a lot about doers i tend to get like the people that are the most stuck are the very best doers and that's where all the frustration comes in because i'm doing everything you say and i'm trying so hard and it's like that's the problem it's problematic if you're smart if you have a creative brain if you've got stick-to-itiveness if you're a good fighter, if you're good, that's probably you've been very successful in life. It's great for life. So stick with that. It's a great personality trait. But when it comes to this stuff, it works against you because there's doers and there are fears. I am a doer. My husband is a fear. They're all compared with each other. I think personally, it was if back in the day, if we were paired together, I would have kept him alive every single day. Every single day, because we're always looking for danger. And what do I do? And we're teaching people how to stop doing, stop the doing. It's like, but how I'm trying, I'm like trying still doing. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to teach because I'm, I'm not teaching you to do something. I'm teaching you how to not do. It's hard. It's hard to teach. Yeah. Very, very counterintuitive. Like the, the idea of not doing anything. I just randomly read this book about like Albert Einstein the other day. And, you know, one thing that struck me there was how, like, he, he viewed the, the, the universe as kind of folding into itself, meaning if you travel far enough in one direction, you would end up where you started, something like that, huh. which makes you then wonder, okay, well, what is outside the universe? And he would be like, that doesn't make sense. There's nothing outside the universe. And I thought it's kind of all thinking, my existential anxiety clients going, what? <laughs> Yeah. But it's the same thing. Like, it's very hard to say, like, what's outside the universe? Well, nothing. Well, what is, like, it's the same thing. Like, what is doing nothing? Well, it, it's very hard to explain, but, but we, but more on that, um, I mean, you and me, we both have a lot of content where we sort of explain that. So I also wanted to ask you, um, I'm sure you get this question a lot, uh, which is, did you ever struggle with anxiety or any other inner struggle? I did. And funny, Barry had no idea until years later when a, another member mentioned it on a group. Barry's like, you didn't talk, like you didn't ask. Because you can't ask that on an interview anyway. But um, yeah, so that had nothing even to do with me getting into this field. I already wanted to do some version of, I thought like psychology when I was in high school and I went to college and ended up in social work. But so my long, everything's a long, my short story longer probably. <laughs> 
I have I have no significant history of, of trauma, which I make point of because usually many people are always pinning back to what, what happened back there. And that very well may be the case, but it doesn't have to be the case. Like you can develop a disordered relationship with any feeling. It makes sense if that's, you know, associated to something in your past. I just happen to not have that. I had a one-off panic attack in a movie theater. Okay. I was 17 years old. We went out, I went out to dinner with my friends. We went to a buffet, went to Chinese buffet. It's $12 all you can eat. You only have 20 bucks when you're 17, right? <laughs> so we eat all this food. We drink all this soda. We pile into the car and we go to see Pulp Fiction in the movie theater. You know, you always clearly remember. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in the movie theater and I'm in New York. So it was really cold outside. I guess it came out in the winter and I have all our heavy coats on. I was the first one in the aisle, so I was up against the wall. All my friends sat next to me and the movie theater was packed. I started like, it's kind of stuffy in here. And then I started feeling sort of sick. And then I'm thinking of all the food I just ate and thinking, I don't want to get sick in the movie theater. And I started, like, I felt really, I was getting claustrophobic and I was starting to have a panic attack. I did not know what was happening. I just knew I needed to get the hell out of there. That's how it felt. I felt like I was hanging on and I needed to leave. And I left and I was like shaking. I was dry heaving. I was wretched, right? And I just remember thinking like, I must be sick because you pin it to whatever, you know, you, whatever you know. So I'm like, no, I must have the flu. Um, I just want to go home. I remember just wanting to go home. Um, and I just waited. I never saw the rest of the movie. I ended up, when it was time to get back in the car, I remember thinking, oh, what if this happens when I get in the car from my what if? Oh, no, I was stuck in the movie theater. I'm going to be stuck in the car. And as soon as I got in the car, whoosh. That's how I can describe it. It was just this whoosh kind of came over my head. And I felt like my head detached from the universe. And some, like everybody was very far away and very close to me at the same time. Hit my stomach. Um, and so from that point on, it was like Pandora's box opened up. It was, from that point on, it was... Well, what if this happens in the classroom? What if this happens at church? What if this happens on the bus? And I feel sick and I can't get out of here. I never cared about throwing up until when when I, when fear has a way of pairing itself to something, it like imprints itself onto the thing. And now it doesn't just feel scary, it feels dangerous. That's, that's the only way I can describe it to somebody who's never had that experience. And so that's why logic doesn't work because you're like, Okay, you throw up, it's gross. But now it just feels so dangerous. And that was my life for like years. I made, now if you were to ask my family or friends, well, my friends, my family saw some of that at home, you, you wouldn't have been able to tell because I was a white knuckler, right? I still did things, but I was pretty good at making excuses of like, I'll just drive myself. Oh, I'm running late. I'll meet you there so I can have a car to leave just in case I don't feel well. So like, we're very, we're the masters of manipulation, right? And so I did a lot of that stuff, but realizing like after working with D.A.R.E., the stuff that helped me, like I didn't see a therapist. I didn't take medication. I was a cranky 17 year old. that was like, leave me alone. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll figure this out myself. And I got out of it using really these concepts and the ones I talk about the most of like, like getting better at feeling bad really telling different stories about that experience that wasn't always like the worst case scenario is going to happen. 
because those worst case scenarios never even happened during this period of time. But it was always a what if. And so like just being able to go through it, it's really hard to explain it if you had an experience. You know? But was this uh, like the, the way uh, this, you know, these panic attacks, uh, you know, faded out? Was it um, right then when you were 17, where you were young or was it later on or, or it, it, you just intuitively? It, it, well, I was stuck there for a few years, um, like in the high school through college, and it was like, don't drink too much, but if you throw up, maybe uh -huh. all the combinations, like eat only the food that would be okay to get sick. I just was so scared, really, of being scared. And that's yeah. what it comes down to. We get scared of being sick because if growing up felt great, you're growing up, right? But yeah. like, it felt awful, and here comes scared, and because scared feels uncomfortable. You're just desperately trying to not feel a feeling. Yeah. And so, like, I think it was kind of like blips. Like, I would stay longer at places. I would be less likely to have a panic attack. And then I'd have another one. But I would, it's like you get better at having panic attacks. And then they accidentally start to fade. Now, mm. every human body has the capacity to have a panic attack. That's not a sign of a disorder. Okay. Panic attack is not a diagnosis, it's a disorder is right but so what happens after that first panic attack most people get stuck in that cycle because you're desperately trying to not have another one and going into trying doing mode your alarm gets the message that there's danger so what does it send you adrenaline rush right well here's the energy to fight something it doesn't know you're fighting it it just knows you're fighting and so that's why dare is teaching you how to have a panic attack how to get better at having a panic attack because now now your own survival mechanism is marked as the danger and it's not it has shown up for danger every time that you've been in danger but we're so busy looking at danger you don't notice the feeling in the background right you use it when you're looking at danger but most most every person oh, i mean i don't remember every person but for the most part most people that call me the problem is that there's no problem there's no bear but there's bear energy and now people are treating bear energy the way they treat bear because we're good doers and if i was a better beer or if i at least knew what a panic attack was like it would have been nice to have been taught this in school and yeah right. you know like how bodies sleep how fear works how thoughts work what you do about thoughts it maybe would have at least, oh, this is a panic attack? Oh, okay, but when it comes out of nowhere, it's confusing, you don't know what is happening, it's scary, and then it's, I'm gonna have to sit with a counselor, right? As opposed to, oh yeah, that's just a panic attack. Bodies do that sometimes, it's in this fire. Yeah, 100%, well said. And again, I was just curious, but it's, it sounded to me as if you like, you sort of, intuitively after a while stopped fighting it if you will it, or, or, or was it after you found dare that you saw oh, how to yeah, this, was, uh, this all happened way before there i'm kind of yeah. old um and so this was like my teens and early 20s um and i'm 45 so, <laughs> so okay. in some way you you had sort of accidentally discovered the dare approach in, in a way before you officially how everybody seems to discover this thing yeah. again because nobody's teaching it right like all like the, the common books and once people find us they find all the other books out there you see it it's not usually from some world-renowned resource it's from people who are like oh wait and 
one of those problems that fixes itself, right? Because we were never meant to know back there. I mean, please, you were never meant to just like consciously make yourself sleep. That's why babies do it. And if babies had a prefrontal cortex, it like babies are not supposed to be involved in the autonomic nervous system and all the stuff that happens. They're just not very responsible, right? Yeah. Like that's this is the stuff that happens automatically, and what happens is we turn and look at it, and we involve ourselves in discomfort because we're trying to fight the parts that are automatic that we don't like, and now we're trying to control it. And the more you try to control it, the less automatic it stays. And so it's it's uh, getting people back to basically leaving themselves alone. Yeah, yeah, I know you. I was well said again. It's so counterintuitive, and and by the way. Uh, you know, I know for any in the audience, I know we're going back and forth here, kind of like hopping around, which is which is nice, I think, between different topics and whatnot. But going back to like uh, when you joined there and everything, was it was it just you and Barry first, or was there other people involved, or or, or how Barry. It was Barry, and in the very very beginning, it was um, so it, like he offered like uh, I think his email address was out there somewhere, and um, like if you have any questions for clarification. Right. You just wrote a book on everybody else writes a book and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, if you have any questions, right, or whatever, feedback, send it an email to whatever. And it just got to be too much. We needed somebody to help him with the email. So then, like, he introduced me and I started getting the emails. And then it was just so many emails. And then it was, like, he thought, let's start, um, let's just start a coaching call because people keep getting stuck in the same thing. Even though there's pretty simple, we tend to, like, like us doers tend to overcomplicate everything and um like let's have some calls and so like it starts with just some bare minimal calls of like whoever was able to come on the call and it just sort of grew from there and then he um and then john came in who's kind of like now he's like oversees all the operations and all that but yeah for a very long time it was just it was just him and i um and now he has somebody for social media he has somebody for customer service and aida um because it's just so busy um, but still, that, that that's kind of it. But yeah, it was just it was just us for I don't know years in the beginning. All right, yeah, very 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 nice to hear this backstory. It's really fascinating and and nice to hear that things are growing, of course. And um, yeah, I guess um, my final questions here are just uh, maybe more on, more on the topic of like your work here, there. Like, do you what's kind of like what's on the horizon? Are things kind of just like you're steady steadily? growing or do you have the kind of new projects or new ideas going on what's what's uh, what's next for there um so um launching a new version of the app it's supposed to be today but i it was postponed there was some bug um on tuesday um to be in all different languages so i don't know exactly the language but i, I think it's german it's french it's there's about three or four of them and it was a process you couldn't just translate you had to rebuild it and work the languages in i don't i don't do that back end stuff i don't know that process um, so there's more daily dares being written. We're probably going to revamp this version of bootcamp to make um, a short term version of like, okay, here's the book and here's the app. Like it's a weird underselling sort of thing. Like we're in the business of putting ourselves out of business. Like don't spend a whole lot of time involved. Don't spend a lot of money trying to fix the problem. Right. It's like we walk a fine line. We're like, yeah, definitely follow my Instagram page. And my Instagram page says, stop following my Instagram page. Um, but um, what else are we doing it there? Um, what what we're hopefully starting soon, which has been I've wanted to do for years, is sort of like 
train the trainer sort of thing. I came up with the term, um, start training therapists. Um, <laughs> That's so, nice, yeah. Right? Like licensed therapists, because instead of booking calls with me, like I don't have time to talk to 40 million people just in the U.S. alone dealing with anxiety, right? I, I talk to everybody around the world, but that's just the U.S. number. Um, so what I've always wanted to do is um, teach, like bring in other therapists to teach them the DARE approach and maybe have like offer regular supervision or group calls and then refer clients that come to DARE to say, well, I'm in California. Um, like, do you have any therapists under my insurance? And I would be able to provide a list where here are seven trained therapists in California. Here are seven, hopefully 700 at some point where it's like, I know if I refer you to somebody else, it would be like talking to Dare anyway. And so that, that hopefully would be coming soon. Um, so this way insurance will cover it and word spreads and um, what else is going on with Dare? Um, the app updates have been pretty big. Um, yeah, just we're always little bits of things growing. Dare likes to go small and then grow it because if you take on something too big, then sometimes it doesn't go so well. So it's yeah. bigger. Amazing. Now, it's, uh, I've been so curious about what's going on over there for a long time. So I'm so glad I get to speak to you and you get to share so much wisdom with our, with our community. So yeah, Michelle, I want to say super nice day to know you. It is so nice to know you too. And you come on to ours next. We can use a, a guest on our webinar. We have webinars um, twice a month that we offer as part of the premium app subscription. And so we always have guests coming on, like like-minded guests um, to uh, to talk about their uh, like particular niche show. Yeah. yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> I'd love to do that. All right. Thanks so much again, Michelle. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Take care. Bye.